Hello, and welcome to the Teaching in Medicine podcast, where we explore effective teaching of the healthcare providers of tomorrow. I am your host, Dr. Kathleen Timmy. Well, I am back with Dr. Harriet Hoff, concluding our series on mentorship with a guide for mentees. Please check out the previous episodes if you haven't already. So welcome back to the Teaching in Medicine podcast. It's great to be here. Today, we will focus on developmental relationships from the perspective of the mentee or trainee. We're kind of using that as a general term um, for someone who's on the developing side of the developmental relationship. So why is it important for mentees to seek these types of relationships? Um, Wow, I, you know, I, I have no idea where I'd be now without my mentors and sponsors and coaches and advisors. Uh, just so important. And, um, and I think not just seeking out one, but multiple, because you need people who, who have different expertise, who can help you in different ways. Um, and, you know, when I look back at my path, um, people find this hard to believe. It's true. I was excruciatingly shy. I could not bring myself to ask for help. And I hated getting advice. Um, and so I kind of look back to my college experience and I think I did not really have a lot of mentors. Um, I was an athlete, so I had coaches who were also mentors in sort of a different realm, but in educational realm. What I think about now is how much richer my path would have been if I connected with some of my college professor. And I think my perspective now is they would have loved to have me do that. They wanted to mentor me, but I just wouldn't do it. So, um, You know, I I think what I would say is, you know, it's a hard, sometimes it's hard to ask for help. I think it's hard because it's intimidating. They're so accomplished and you think, oh, why would they want to talk to me? But they are dying to talk to you. Um, And then why do you want them? Mentors, advisors, sponsors, and coaches, they help you avoid pitfalls. Um, I think more importantly, they can help you understand where it is you want to go. You have some idea of where you want to go, but oftentimes you don't really even know what that means. So they can help you kind of figure out what that means. Um, And then they can connect you with opportunities that you might not even have known were existed, or you might have felt like you couldn't get at them. um, And they can they can connect you with them, which can make your educational experience so much richer. And I think if there's one takeaway in this whole series, I would love it to be that trainees and mentees should not be afraid to ask for help and to ask for these relationships. I, I can definitely relate to feeling timid or feeling like an imposter, or even now, you know, in the junior phase of my career, feeling like, oh, well, that person's really busy. I can't ask for, you know, a half hour of their time every couple months. Um, but that's really not the case. And it's okay to ask and you should ask. And if they don't have the capacity, they can maybe point you on to someone else who does. So... Um, absolutely. Like it's, it's never, people are always happy to, you know, and you can send emails and if someone doesn't respond, that's okay. But I think most people, you know, will, and, and, um, it's, it's easier in person, but, um, I think, yeah, people love to give advice, right? So take advantage of it. Yeah. And it's, it's flattering to receive those emails too. Like I'm valued as, you know, somebody who can contribute something and especially, junior in my career, it, it feels nice to feel like I've reached a point where I have something to offer someone else rather than just being a consumer of this educational system. Yeah, so absolutely. Well, how do you know what kind of developmental relationship you need? I think it depends, you know, what is it that you're trying to do? Like what, what, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? So for example, Hey, do you need help selecting your fourth year electives? 
then you should talk to your advisor. Now, I hope your advisor will ask you for your goals. We talked about this last time before telling you what you should do, right? But they know what are the electives, what does it mean to residency programs? Um, what about if you want to apply for a leadership role? Well, then you want to find a sponsor who could help you with your application, who could write a letter of support. Um, let's say you're trying to figure out what you want. Um, find a coach. They can ask you powerful questions to help you figure out what it is you really want. Um, what if you want a long-term relationship with a role model who has experience and perspective related to the path that you want to travel? Well, find yourself a mentor who can help you understand how to get to your goal, right? I, I have a goal, but, you know, as a, as a early, you know, as a trainee, as an early career faculty member, I have this goal. It's a little bit abstract. Somebody else can tell me, well, what are the actual steps I have to take to get there? Um, so I, I think, you know, and sometimes the same person can fill lots of those roles, right? So finding a, a mentor with a long-term relationship, they can, you can say, hey, I need it. I need someone to help me with this. I need whatever. They can help you with that. But, but also just when you go in specific about what it is you need, then they can help you better because they don't have to imagine what you need. And do you think needs change as you progress from a student to a postgraduate trainee to early and later faculty member? So I think you need all sorts of those developmental relationships at all levels. Um, I'm a full professor. I have been for golly, 17 years. Um, but I still have advisors and mentors and coaches and sponsors that I rely on, right? Um, I think what changes sometimes is the, the focus of those relationships, you know, what it is, what your goals are change, what you need change, you probably need different people over time. Um, you know, uh, as you advance in your career, uh, you're, you've gone from student to colleague, so the hierarchy flattens, so you, you, you probably need slightly different um, advice. Um, when you're in medical school, you might work with a coach on your professional identity development. Who am I? What do I want to accomplish? What's my purpose in the world? Um, and then once you know what you want to accomplish, then you might find a sponsor who could connect you with a mentor. I told you that's one of my favorite things to do or with some kind of an opportunity that could help you advance your goals, right? So I, I think there's sort of a perception sometimes that we don't really need sponsors until you're applying for a high-level leadership role. I think you need sponsors right from the get-go. You know, I think about uh, people who gave me opportunities even in high school that made a difference in my life. So, uh, you know, look for people who can help advance them. You know, if you're thinking about graduate medical education, now you kind of know your purpose, right? You've chosen a specialty. You've you're moving on. But now that mentor can be really helpful in helping you navigate. How do I get to that? How do I get success in those goals? Um, and then, you know, when I think about early career faculty members, why do you need coaching? Um, because you've said yes to way too many things. And now you got to decide which of them am I really going to focus on? And also, you probably need a mentor to say, okay, this is where I want to focus. Can you help me figure out how to be successful? And then I know you only went, you know, you didn't ask me about what do you do as a senior faculty member, but, um, you know, as a senior faculty member, I have many times changed my direction and maybe needed a coach or I applied for a leadership role or I wanted to do something and I needed a sponsor. So I think the content, what exactly it is that you need to be sponsored for changes, but your need for sponsorship doesn't change. Um, probably who does it changes a little bit as well. You know, um, 
you would have a harder time sponsoring me for a high-level leadership role than you would a medical student for some kind of leadership role. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so once you know what you want, how do you find the right person? So I'm going to say this, finding the right person is critical. I see lots of dysfunctional relationships where people didn't sort of think through what they were looking for. And so they didn't find the right person. I think there's sort of two things. One is where do you find people? And the other is how do you know they're the right person? So I'm going to kind of address it separately. So the first is just look around in your life. Is there someone who's being generous with their time and showing interest in your path? That is a person who might be kind of mentoring you without even thinking about it. And it's that's a person you could say, would you be interested in being my mentor? Could we formalize this relationship? Here's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, that's a person who's already demonstrated they are interested in your well-being. And so th- that's a great potential mentor. Um, I think it's really valuable to look around. Who are the people you admire who are doing things that match kind of what you are hoping to do one day? Um Send them an email, ask to meet with them, uh, you know, uh, and then just say, could I just come and talk to you about your path? How did you get to where you are? I'm interested in, you know, your story. My, may I say, this is such a powerful thing um, that the uh, Drexel University has something called the Executive Leadership Program, Executive Leadership and Academic Medicine Program. It's for senior women. Um, I completed it in 2009. And one of the things they require is that you interview leaders at your institution. Um, and so we've had uh, ELAM fellows here for a, to, over 20 years. And so all of our leaders are used to being interviewed and they look forward to it. They say things like, oh, this is the best half hour of my day. This is the best hour of my day. I, you know, when I was in ELAM, I had someone email me and say, I know you're the ELAM fellow this year. You haven't reached out to me for an interview yet. I hope you're not going to pass me over. So people love to tell you about their story. And so just send them an email and say, hey, could I come meet with you and interview you? They'll probably say yes. Um, And then if you like what you hear, if you feel like there's a connection, say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor. You know, I have to do at that moment, but just sort of it's a way of finding out, are they a a right person? There are lots of formal programs. You know, the med school has a, a, a program. It's a good place to start. Um, lots of professional organizations also have them. And so you can find someone there. Now, how do you know the right person? I think talking with them, sharing your goals and seeing how they respond to them. Um, ask other people who they've mentored. How were they as a mentor? Pay attention to whether they're putting mentees need first. Um, and are they available? Like, do they have time? I think time and putting mentees needs first are the, the two key things. Um, and I think there's a lot of information about there about people who aren't great mentors, but people choose to work with them because they view their power as important to their success. But I just think um, it's really toxic to work with someone who doesn't have your best interest at heart. Yeah, it seems like that wouldn't really be worth your time. <laughs> to, yeah. No, no. Um, What sort of preparation should a mentee do before meeting with their mentor for the first time? So I really appreciate it when someone comes to me with a well-articulated, explicit thing they want help with. Like, here's my goal. Can you help me achieve it? Which takes some reflection ahead of time, right? Like, uh, I think oftentimes people are just told, you need a mentor. So they're like, hey, will you be my mentor? Um, And 
And I'm happy to be a mentor there because I can help mentor someone to figure out what their goal, like to think about what they want out of a mentoring relationship. But it's great if they can really start. And there's some really great references on mentoring up, um, which I will share with you so you can put them in the, in the notes. Um, so just make sure you think about what you want from this mentor and what you're going to ask them for. Um, and then, you know, in that first meeting, say, this is what I'm looking for, or even an email, this is what I'm looking for to see if they have, if they feel comfortable that that's what they, they can offer. Um, and then I think you should sort of drive the relationship. Um, so, you know, you set up meetings, you should be the one to figure out how to get the meetings on their calendar. Um, um, and then, you know, you should send an email ahead of each meeting saying, hey, I'm looking forward to meeting with you. Here's what I've done this month. Here's, you know, what I hope to work on tomorrow, just to kind of connect them to what you're doing. Um, and then the final thing is um, follow through when you agree to do something. Like if they go, hey, you should do this. And you say, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, the flip side of that is just because they tell you you should do something doesn't mean you have to do it. So don't agree to do something you don't want to do just because you think it'll make them happy because that'll make it much harder to follow through on. And, you know, I think about uh, my mentor was a surgeon named Tom Hunt, and I, I worked in his lab um, when I was a resident and then um, as a fellow. And then we I joined the lab as a co-director and every couple of weeks he'd go, Oh, Harriet, we should do this thing. Oh, Harriet, we, you know, he would just, just be like helping with all these things. And I would go home and I'd be like, I can't do all these things. He's telling me to do all these things. I can't do them. And so one day my husband said, would you just go talk to him? So I said, Tom, I, I like, there's too many things. I can't do all these things. He said, Oh, I don't expect you to do them all. I just wanted you to know what the opportunities are so you can take advantage of them. So I was like, Oh, so that's just sort of an opportunity that I initially missed, which was, to kind of go, wait, time out. Uh, what's the importance of doing this? How do I decide what to do? And then he was great. He was like, well, let's just decide what you really want to work on. That's a good example of what to do when the relationship is kind of veering away from what your initial goals were to kind of deliberately have a conversation around that and get back on the same page and, and encourage your mentor to focus on what your specific goals are. Yeah. And, and I will say, I think, you know, this advice of make sure you know what you want, go ask for what you want, see if the mentor can do it. Um, it's really important to start a relationship that way. Uh, because if your goals are aligned at the start, if you feel confident that they're going to put your interests first, if you feel confident that, that, you know, they have the capacity to mentor you, um, it's much more likely that things will go well. And also at the start of a relationship, there's a lot less power dynamic. And so if you realize this is not the right person for you, you just simply don't take them on as your mentor. Whereas once you are being mentored by them, then it gets much more complicated to kind of extricate yourself if it's not working. How would you kind of gracefully end those relationships? Um, so again, I always think it's great to have this conversation at the beginning. And I actually think it's the mentor's job to initiate this conversation, which is, hey, if this isn't working out, either one of us can say, no, there's not going to be any um, consequences for that. Uh, but, you know, honestly, in any mentoring relationship, any anyone who is in a, you know, who is in training, honestly, even senior people, your goals are going to change over time, right? You, you First of all, you'll need different things developmentally. But secondly, something you thought was the thing you wanted to do, now you want to try doing something else. Either, you know, it wasn't the right thing or now you're done with it or whatever. And so um, as your goals change, 
maybe you become misaligned with your mentor just because you have different goals. Um, I think as the mentee, when you recognize they're not aligned, you need to meet with your mentor and say, hey, I just want to sort of check in, uh, make sure you understand these are my goals. Do you still feel like you can support me in getting them? And if the answer is, you know, sometimes they go, oh, yeah, I, I missed the boat. You know, like I here, this is this is my story of being a parent. Um, we, we, we had a nanny. Uh, my kid was about six months old. And I come home and the nanny says, is it okay if I buy some new toys? Because the ones that we have are not developmentally, like this child of yours has gotten older and needs more advanced toys. And I was like, I hadn't even thought about that. Yes, of course. And I think that's very true in a relationship, right? Like, like things change. And I think uh, mentors are a little bit like parents. We don't always notice that people are growing and need something else. And then, you know, um, if you have, if you're able to have that conversation, you may both realize it doesn't make sense and they might help you find a new mentor. Um, however, I do want to acknowledge it's really hard as a mentee to end a mentoring relationship if the mentor doesn't get it. Um, so this is why I think you want to choose mentors wisely. So you have someone who isn't expecting you to do their bidding. Um, but also sometimes you have to have this difficult conversation um, and just, you know, make sure you thank them for their mentoring. Make sure you, you know, are explicit about these are your my goals and uh, I think I need a different mentor um, because you just, you just don't want to, you don't want to break relationships, right? You live in a world that's pretty small. And so you don't want to have a whole lot of people. On the other hand, uh, mentors should never retaliate, even though I know that sometimes they do. I want to spend a moment on sponsorship. Um, how should somebody go about asking for sponsorship and, and when should they do that? So I will say, I think you need sponsorship. I think I've already said this a couple times early and often, like it is so powerful. Um, it opens the doors to opportunities. I think the first thing is being thoughtful about when you request it right? Like it, not just sort of always asking for things, but kind of like, here's an opportunity I really want. This is the right person. Make sure it really is an opportunity that you really want. And also make sure it's something that you have the time and the energy and the interest to succeed at. Because when you're sponsoring someone, right, if they don't do well, it reflects badly on you. And so um, I to me, I have sponsored some people multiple times because when I sponsor them, they succeed and then I feel comfortable with it. Um, so I think I think you should ask for it when you need it, uh, but you should also be strategic about, uh, you know, is this someone who knows me well enough to feel comfortable doing this? Um, am I supporting them in some way? I, I do think it's important if you have an existing relationship, like, you know, going up to someone you've never met and saying, would you write a letter of recommendation for me? Not super great, um, even if you've only met them a few times. But, um, you know, this is why mentors are such great people for sponsoring, because they're invested in your success and you've built their trust, right? If you've got someone who you've proved you can do stuff, that's a person you can ask to sponsor. Um, and then know what you're asking for, right? Know why you're qualified for it. So one of the things I think about is, um, let's say you're a medical student, and you're going to ask an attending for a letter of recommendation. I think in that email, you should say, my goal is to do this thing. Here's why. 
Um, here's my CV. And here's a little bullet point list of the things that I think you could highlight in the letter of recommendation. So one of the things you can do is make it easier for them to sponsor you. I had a sponsor once who had me write the letter about myself and he basically signed it. So, um. yeah. And, uh, that is, that is a skill to learn. It's, it's a really, so I will say, um, I hope he at least edited it a little bit to make it more positive, but, mm -hmm. um, I find that bullet point list of things is really useful because that way I can align the letter of recommendation with their personal state, you know, like, mm -hmm. It means that I'm not saying stuff that has nothing to do with anything else they've ever said. So helping people sponsor you is such a gift. Mm -hmm. And finally, I wanted to ask about inequities and how sponsorship or mentorship is offered. I can assume that there are inequities. Um, I think at this point, I, I don't need to ask that yes or no question, but what are the inequities and how do we overcome them? So I think a big challenge is people like to mentor and sponsor individuals who remind them of themselves. This is my younger self. And, um, you know, if we think about the lack of diversity in those who have the power to sponsor, it just leads to inequities in the distribution of sponsorship. It's unconscious. And because you are risking your social capital when you recommend someone, part of the reason for that is I feel comfortable that this person who reminds me of me is going to succeed. I'm a little uncertain about this person. They don't remind me of me. What if, what if that makes it feel riskier? Um, so I, there's really great example evidence, for example, that women often get mentored. That is they're given advice while men get sponsored. That is they're given opportunities. And it turns out advice is lovely, but opportunities make you advance faster. Um, and so I think what I try to do is just pay attention to who I tend to sponsor. And then in every developmental relationship, think to myself, do I have opportunities to sponsor this person? Am I taking advantage of the opportunities? I'm mentoring two medical students. Am I offering opportunities to one that I'm not offering to the other one? Now, sometimes there might be good reasons for that. Like this mentee has a goal to do this thing. So I'm going to sponsor them. But and then I think the next thing is, I think mentees don't think about asking for sponsorship, right? Some people probably do, but others don't. And so you can say to people, hey, is there some way that do you need sponsorship? Could I write you a letter? Could I recommend you for this role? Um, I was uh, coaching someone and they had expressed to me that they were interested in the leadership role. And I happened to get an email that day for an application being open for a, a leadership educational role in the, in the school of medicine. And I forwarded it to the person and said, Hey, are you thinking about applying for this? I didn't actually sponsor them in any way, to be honest, but I think it's a little bit of sponsorship because they responded, well, I was kind of thinking about it. Do you think I could do that? And I was like, you would be great for that. And so in some ways, sponsorship can just be encouragement, like go do that. So um, I just think being more conscious of what your tendencies are, um, making sure that you aren't leaving people out of your kind of mentoring and sponsoring circles. Thank you. And then my final question today, what teaching pearl or piece of advice would you like to leave us with as we close this series? Um, I, I guess, I guess what I would say is um, 
I'm, I'm going to kind of repeat what I started with it, which is look for people who can help you succeed. It's so valuable. And, you know, the flip side of that is um, people love helping you succeed. And, and then I guess my, my last thing would be uh, there's nothing like gratitude. Um, and so thank you notes to mentors who uh, have, they, 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 they like the, when I get a thank you note from someone I mentored, it, it just brightens my day. So um, if someone has helped you, no matter who you are, what you're doing, um, saying thank you, it, it's just so powerful, a way of paying back, like, that's all I ever need for my developmental relationships is someone saying, you know, and it's amazing when like 15 years later, someone says, by the way, did you know that this was really important? And I did this because of you. And I go, I had no idea. But I am putting that in my rainy day file so that when I'm feeling bad, I can take it out and read it again. I love that rainy day file. I will have to start one in my email box. <laughs> it's so, yeah, super useful. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time over the last couple episodes and sharing your wisdom on mentorship with us. I am so delighted to have been here and I'm, I'm so glad you're doing a whole series on mentorship. I think it's hugely important and um, something we don't, we're aware of it now more, but I'm not sure we're taking full advantage of all those relationships. Thanks for listening to the Teaching in Medicine podcast with new episodes on the first Monday of every month. Please check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and reach out if you have ideas for new episodes. 